of the, Israel, uh, the Gentiles, and pretty much Paul is saying everybody is a sinner. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? And so uh, the chapter 2, that's what uh, the, uh, he addresses that. Let's go quickly. And chapter 4, he pretty much says the righteousness. So we are all uh, depraved. We are all, we have no hope in anything else. How many, how many ever laws that has been given to us? In the Old Testament, we see about 613 laws that's been given. And even though 613 laws has been given, it's still hard to follow them. First, we, it's hard to follow the Ten Commandments. It's so easy to break that. Then it's hard to follow all the other laws. Then you come to New Testament, you see the Sermon on the Mount, and what does Jesus do? He takes those laws and he makes it more harder, right? So what was, so, uh, what was pretty much hard for them, he makes it harder. All of that to say, for us to live by a set of rules, it's extremely hard. So without the help of Jesus, without the help of the Holy Spirit, to live a holy life is fruitless. So there is a, a, a Greek mythology story. It's called, I think Sisyphus uh, is the name of the person. So Sisyphus was condemned to be in uh, Hades or in hell, and his punishment was to take a big rock. And he was punished to go on a mountain and roll the rock up the mountain. Okay, I don't know if you have read this story. I read this when I was in high school. Was he, his punishment was to take, push this rock on a hill and keep pushing it all the way up. His goal was to take it up and over the hill. And that was his punishment. But what happens? Gravity works, right? So when you have such a big rock and you're pushing it on a high elevation like that, on an altitude incline like that, what happens to the rock? It keeps coming back. And then you start losing energy. And you start losing energy till what happens? The rock falls on you and kills you. Okay, that's what sin does to us when we try and uh, try to become perfect without the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So without Jesus and without the help of the Holy Spirit, when we are trying to accomplish the Old Testament laws or the New Testament laws or the Ten Commandments or just be nice or be kind or be loving or be serving. But if you do all of this with the wrong attitude, if you do all of this without the mentality of serving God ultimately, then what happens is that it starts burning you up. What happens is that you start getting tired. You do it one day, you do it two days. And after the third day, you're like, how many times should I do the same thing? And you give up. And the sin overcomes you like that. So it's important for us to lead a perfect life because Christ says that we do have to lead a life of perfection. We have to strive for perfection because our God, the Father, is perfect. We have to strive for perfection. But all of that has to be done through Jesus. Amen? Because if we do this outside of Jesus, it becomes self-righteousness. Okay? And... Uh, Nine, all of us are Christians here by God's grace. None of us are uh, brand new Christians, I don't think, from looking at all the faces. Uh, none of us are brand new Christians, so we grew up in a Christian home. Most of us haven't done your so-called uh, sins or anything like that that Paul talks about, your big sins. We haven't done. We have tried to live a holy and perfect life. So when you do get saved... And when you are repenting, what are you repenting from? 
when you listen to a message and you hear a sermon from your pastor, how is that transforming your life if you think that you're already perfect? Does that make sense? Are you following with me? So when you look at the Bible, you see that Jesus condemned the Pharisees and also the sinners equally. So for us, it is important because most of us try to lead a perfect life. For us, it is important to come and examine our life this morning and say, God, am I Am I being a Pharisee this morning? Am I becoming like an Israelite who tried to follow all of these rules and all of these commandments, but I don't even know who you are? Because the most important thing is to have a relationship with Christ and to strive for perfection through the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you following with me? Amen? And so... um, And he says that, and again, uh, the Jewish people are thinking they are more important, and they say, our apachin is Abraham. So we are special. We are the descendants of Abraham. But Paul says in chapter 4, in Abraham's lineage, there are certain people he chose and certain people he rejected. So Abraham de Talimuralzane, Chela Alkare Devam, choose Chela Alkare, he did not. One of them is uh, he chose Isaac. He did not choose Ishmael. He chose Jacob. He did not choose Esau. In the same way, as you come down the line, there are many people that in the Jewish lineage or in Abraham's lineage whom God did not choose. Why? Because of their disobedience to God. In the same way, the Jewish people who did not accept Jesus were rejected by God. Okay, so the people, the Jewish people who accepted Jesus, they became the automatic lineage. So when you go read further down in Romans, you see the imagery of an olive tree. He says, and the people who rejected Jesus have been cut off from the olive tree. And the people, the Gentiles who accepted Jesus have been grafted into the olive tree. And that is the reason that you and I are here is because we have been grafted into the family of Jesus. Amen. And so um, I don't want to go too further down. My chapters today I want to focus on is four, five, six, seven, and 8, which is a huge task. If any of you have read Romans, and I hope you do, and I really encourage you to make it um, a priority to memorize Romans. Because Romans is one of those books that is foundational to our Christian life. To our, it is confusing. Parts of it is confusing. But if you just work through it, If you read it a few times, the Holy Spirit gives you wisdom and opens our minds and our eyes to understand the deeper meaning and the mysteries of the Word of God. So I don't want any of you to read the Bible and just pass by it and say, this has no meaning for me. This has no importance to me. Because my friends, if there is a verse in the Bible, there is a reason why it is there. It is not there by accident. It has to speak to someone at some point. Somehow, there's a reason why the Holy Spirit has put it there. So don't consider one verse to be more important to another verse because everything in the Bible is beneficial and will edify us. Amen? So try to memorize parts of Romans if you can. Can you turn with me to Romans chapter 5? And it talks about the first Adam and the new Adam, okay? So he says, now that we have come and we have been uh, uh, made righteous and we have been justified, righteous is nidi, devatana nidi, right? And justification is devatana nyayam. So both of this has happened through Jesus in our life. 
And because God has made, through his righteousness, he has justified us. We have become one in Christ. So no matter what, nothing is going to separate us from Christ. Because no matter what you do, how much you strive, you are now standing behind the shadow of Jesus. So when God looks at you, he looks at you redeemed by the blood of Jesus. You have been bought by the price that Jesus paid, by the blood that Jesus paid. So let's stop trying to do a lot of good things in order to please God. Because when you are in Christ, you automatically do those good things. You automatically, the, because the fruit of the Spirit would, would automatically flow through you. It's not something that we try to do. It comes naturally because the power of the Holy Spirit works in us. But uh, when you try to do something, that's when the issue comes because your uh, focus, and it's normal for us because we come from an Indian background. Because in India, we grow up in Hinduism or we grow up with people who are Hindus or Muslims, and we are a works-based society, which means, but even though how much ever you do, nothing's going to happen. It's going to make no difference. That should not be our priority. Our priority needs to be in being in God's presence. Our priority needs to be to stay in God's presence. The more time you're staying in, in God's presence, the easier it is going to be to do all of these things. If you're following with me, that's kind of hard to understand, but I do want you to understand that portion because Paul does try to emphasize that in most of his gospels or in most of his episodes, I should say. Um, and so he, Paul, in that, he talks about the law. What is the law that he refers to? So he talks, uh, multiple times he talks about the law of God, the law of sin. What does that mean? Is the law the, the Old Testament that he's focusing on? So he's talking about, because the law, to the Jewish people, it is the Old Testament. But the law also exists for the Gentiles too. And if you read further up in the beginning of Romans, Paul talks about this law that's innate in us, which means we have a consciousness that God puts in our life. So whether you're a Hindu, Christian, Muslim, or whatever, you have a consciousness that God puts in you because you are made in his image. But when you become a Christian, all the more you know the law as well. But whether you're a Christian or not, you have a law that you abide by. And he refers to this law. So uh, he says, uh, because we have been made righteous, because we have been justified, is the law bad? Can you uh, go to Romans chapter 3 verse 20? Can somebody read Romans chapter 3 verse 20, please? Through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Can you read Romans chapter 7, verse 7, please? And last verse, Romans chapter 3, verse 31. Absolutely not. On the contrary, we are holy. 
Exactly. So the law itself, the Torah itself, the Pentateuch itself is not bad because it's established by God. The law that God has put in our hearts, the consciousness that God has put in our hearts, the Holy Spirit speaking to us, none of this is bad and wrong because it's holy. Except no matter how easy the law is or how complicated the law is, whatever the case, we all become sinners in it. So what is a common denominator? What is common in all of these things is that the law magnifies the human heart. So regardless of what kind of law you live in, humanity is constantly falling into sin. So that only shows that regardless of whatever happens, as humans, we are sinners at heart and we need a savior. Let me give you this example. And the savior can come only from the outside. And going back to the example, uh, can you imagine with me that you are in quicksand? What is the Malayalam thing for quicksand? The sand that you like, when you fall in, you'll, you'll just go down. I'm sorry. No, it's not chilly. Chadapa? Okay, so it's this, uh, I, it looks like it's normal ground, but I haven't seen it personally. I've just uh, learned about it. But you walk into it and you automatically fall in, right? And you, I mean, it's, and it's not a, a quick process. It's a slow process. And as you fall in, you fall in, you fall in, you can, you'll try to get out. And the more you struggle, the faster you'll go down, okay? It's easier to get out only if somebody else is helping you out from outside. And as human beings, all of us are in this quicksand. We're all drowning in this quicksand, slowly and slowly. And sometimes the more we struggle, and the more we try, and the more we try, the deeper we're going. And the more we get discouraged. Because we're trying to do all of this work outside of Jesus in our own effort. But if we only extend our hand out to Jesus, who's outside, who's reaching out to us, he'll be able to get us out of this, right? So let's stop trying to do all of this outside of Jesus. Jesus is here to help us out, to get out of this perfection or this Pharisee or this legalism or the sin or uh, any sort of this sin that is mentioned in the Bible because we're all sinners, some way or the other. So let us try and reach out to Jesus so we can understand that we are a sinner only if we see the law. The law is like a mirror to us, amen? So when we read the Bible, Every time we read the Bible, it needs to speak to us somehow. If, the, if you're reading the Bible, I don't care if you are a brand new Christian or if you have been Christian for 40 years. If you're reading the Bible, the Bible does need to speak to you. And it does because the word of God says the Bible is living and active. It is a double-edged sword. And every time you do read the Bible, you either learn from it or the Holy Spirit pricks you and makes you repent. You're filled with remorse. There has to be some sort of a response when you read the Bible. Because if you're not, you're just doing it out of tradition. And that's something you need to check yourself on. So number Bible, there has to be some sort of a response. And so um, let's go to chapter 8. And I want to give you an assignment. Chapter 8 is 
something that I really don't want to tackle because it is so amazing and it is very deep and I feel like you need at least a month to focus on chapter Romans chapter 8. Wouldn't you agree, Pastor? Um, because it is amazing. But I want to cover a few points and then I'll give you five minutes to read a few different verses where you can meditate on yourself about Romans. If you have time, we'll be able to discuss this. So the reason why... Romans chapter 8 is one of the greatest chapters in all of the New Testament. Okay? This is the reason why. Because you see, turn to chapter 8, please. Because I don't want you just to listen to me, but I want you to kind of skim through chapter 8 as well. Can you turn to chapter 8? So this is where God says, For there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from this law of sin and death. Amen? Can you read Romans chapter 8 verse 1 together? Because this needs to be our anthem when we go forward. Because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because, the law of, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. We see two laws here. One is a law of life and one is a law of sin and death. And through Jesus Christ, we have been set free. Amen. We are free in Christ Jesus. Let us accept that freedom and live in that freedom. Let us praise God in this freedom that we do have. Amen. And so as we read, I mean, this chapter is one of those chapters where you want to just worship God throughout the chapter. As you read the rest of the chapter, you want to just say, it's like exclamation point after each other if you just follow with me, okay? And so this talks about the physical brokenness of the universe, okay? So it talks about the universe is groaning for, the, for, for, for redemption. What does that mean? Can you say, can somebody read that in Malayalam, please? Or if you know that by heart. Um, uh, Romans chapter, Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Wait, hold on. Okay. okay. Verse 19. Verse uh, 20 as well, Pastor. Um, and verse 22. Right? Or uh, so it's groaning in, uh, in, in this pain. So the Jewish tradition said, compares this groaning to almost childbirth. Okay, and childbirth, if for all the women and myself who has given birth, you know that that final pain is extremely unbearable. But when that pain comes, you know that the end is near. Right? So when Paul talks about this and we see the things that's happening here, if you see, read Romans chapter 1, Paul lists all the sins that's happening where mankind is subjecting itself to such disgusting depravity 
what we are seeing around us right now, we think it's so dirty. And that happened back then too. When we see these things, we know it is time for the end. When it is so unbearable for Christian people, for the children of God, that we are saying, God, just please come now. And it's not just us as human beings or Christians who are crying out, but it's all of creation that's crying out. Because we know that the word of God says that whether man worships God or not, whether man praises God or not, that creation is constantly praising God. Amen? So this creation is longing for God to come back. This creation is longing to be reunited for a newness and for whatever is happening now to completely end. So we see that the physical universe is in sin and it's longing to get out of it. It is longing for a redemption. And the second thing we see, if you read further down in verse 8, is that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Amen? Amen? That the Holy, when we are lost for words, we have the Holy Spirit speaking through us on behalf of us. When we don't know, you know, like the times, uh, and I mean, I'm pretty young, so <laughs> I can't speak for everybody. And I'm sure most of you know much better. But there are times in your life that, that you go through where you know you're in such agony. And you don't know what to pray for. Amen. Have you been there? When you don't know what to pray for, you're in a situation where you're in such depression or in such trauma that you say, God, I have no words to say. And sometimes you can't even speak in tongues or sometimes you can't even worship. But that is when the Holy Spirit does come through and intercede for us, whether it is through the speaking in tongues or whether it is through the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is there to intercede for us. So you see the Holy Spirit interceding for you and you see the Son of God who is interceding for us. The Holy Spirit is interceding in us. The Son of God is, Holy, uh, is uh, interceding for us. And you see that the love of God is, uh, is over us. Amen? So you see the, oh, the Spirit of God, you see the Son of God, and you see the Father of God, all three in the Trinity coming together, and they're kind of conspiring. Amen. They're kind of like fighting for you. Why are they fighting for us? They are fighting because they don't want to lose you or me. They want to have you and me, despite the agony that you're going through, despite the depression you're going through. You might feel like you're in a valley that you cannot come out of. That is when the Spirit of God does come through and he fights for you and says, my child, don't worry. Amen? So when you do go through as much as it is hard, please remember to read this chapter. Remember the Holy Spirit speaking. That Holy Spirit is there for you. You read further down in, in Romans chapter 8. He says, God is for us. He is not against us. Amen? So all of you who think that God is upset with you because you did something wrong, you did this, you did that, stop doing that. If God has given you an opportunity to speak up or do something, speak up and do something. Don't say, God, I am so, I'm like a worm. God, I, what, I don't know how to speak English. I, God, I'm Indian. I, this is an American person. What are they going to say when I say I'm going to pray for you? Don't do that because when you take that first step, the Holy Spirit does work in you. When you feel like the entire world is against you, know that the God of all angels, God of all armies is there to fight for you. 
children of God, we know the end of this story. Okay, this is not a movie that we're waiting to wait to see the end and we don't know the climax. All you have to do is just turn to the end. That's all. We know that we are going to win this battle. So why are we depressed? When we come to church, why are we unhappy? Why are we so worried? That speaks, and I'm speaking to myself this morning, to why are we worried? And all of us are going through our own battles. And I know some of the stories that people have shared with me. And I mean, I, some of them I can't even relate with. But that's why you have the Holy Spirit. And that's why you have Jesus who has gone through everything that you have gone through. Amen. Don't you, aren't you wonderful that you have such a wonderful intercessor for you who has gone through all the pains you've gone through, who understands you so fully. Amen. And then another reason why uh, this chapter is so amazing is because if you read further down in uh, chapter 8, verse um, 31 through 39, okay? So just skim through it. It is the verses that says, who is going to stand against us, okay? I'm going to go ahead and read that because, I mean, better than me speaking, I think the Bible itself will speak for itself, Um what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for all of us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against us? It is God who justifies. And further down, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Yet it is in all these things that we are more than conquerors. Amen? Can you say we are more than conquerors? I didn't hear you guys. Can you say we are more than conquerors? We are more than conquerors. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, or things, or height, or depth, or anything else that's created shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Amen? Amen. Because we know that there, uh, sometimes we think that it's only sin that's going to grip us. Right? Sometimes we think it's only all these sins like gossip and pornography and uh, drunkenness and all of these things that's going to grip us. But sometimes we don't realize that something that does grip us is also our successes. The miracles that happened in our past, it holds us down because we're living in our past and God doesn't want you to live in your past. So yes, God did a miracle and know that God is willing to do more, but stop expecting for God to perform the same thing in your life again because you're limiting God. So I want you to know that neither life or death, we're going to both extremes. You have good things and bad things. We think all the bad things is bad. No, good things are bad too. When you get too stuck in it, when you, you make it an idol, you become comfortable in it. But nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. You take all these things away. You take all of this comfort away. You take all of this luxury away. You give me all of this pain. You give me this backstabbing person. You give me this. You give me... Nothing is going to shake me from the love of Christ. Amen. I want to conclude with one passage that uh, is kind of controversial, but I do want to briefly go and acknowledge that. It is Romans chapter 8, verse 30. Can somebody read that, please? Can somebody read that in English? 
Okay, so this is kind of, uh, uh, it, it does get into a deeper conversation, but I'm gonna try and cover it in a few minutes. The reason is because it covers predestination. Okay, so some of us think that we are predestined and God chose us beforehand to uh, whether we have to go to hell or heaven. That's not what Paul is talking about here. Okay, so I want to make it clear that God has not predestined some of you guys to come to church and some of the other people to not come to church. Because that is not right and that's not free will. And God is God who's given free will to all people. Okay, and as assemblies of God and as Pentecostals, we believe that we have the free will. When we sin, we sin out of free will. Okay, that's not because God forced us to sin. God doesn't do that. We sin out of our free will. But what is this predestination that he's talking about? This predestination is that when God created you in his image, before you were formed in your mother's womb, he predestined you to be with him. He predestined all of humanity to be his children. He wants everybody to be saved. So as you're born, you're born with this kind of a mentality where you are, you automatically know God. But what happens is when you do, when you grow up, as my son is two right now, I see the terrible twos coming out and I'm like, where did he learn this from? But it's obviously either from my husband or me or from Adam or Eve, right? And so through Adam or Eve, we have sin that has come into our life. But what as Christians, we have a new Adam that we rely on. So although we are naturally, we are, commit, we, we are sinners, we have this new Adam that, that we can rely on. So we are all predestined to God's righteousness. We are all predestined to be children of God. But even though sin has come through, we have been redeemed and justified by the blood of Jesus. And we have been reunited and restored in the presence of God. Isn't that amazing? Become a full circle, my friends. Become a full circle. And no matter what, I want you to remember that whatever happens in your life, Amen. the entire Trinity, all of heaven is fighting for you. No matter what is happening in your life, whatever situation you're going through in your marriage, in your finances, in your children, whatever you're going through, in everything, God is fighting on your behalf. Amen? Don't be serving amazing God. I'm so sorry that I didn't uh, speak a lot in Malayalam, <laughs> but I feel like I keep losing my train of tra uh, thought. Uh, but hopefully, I tried. I, my English was pretty simple for most of you to understand and follow. I thank the church for giving me this opportunity to share a few things from Romans. I do want you to go back because I am a teacher, so I'll give you assignments to do. So we covered Romans chapter 1 through 4 two weeks ago. We covered chapter 5 through 8 today. I want you to go back and read Romans chapter um, 9 through 16 for tomorrow or, or next week. So come back, read all of this. I want you to be encouraged in God's presence. Amen. Father God, I thank you for this church. I thank you because we have such a privilege that the rest of the world does not have where we can serve you in freedom and in true spirit, in unity, Lord. And so I come this morning and I pray, Lord, that you will unify our hearts I pray, Lord, that you'll remove every sort of stereotype, every sort of stigma, every sort of prejudice, every sort of preconceived notion that we have, what you are going to do here, because God, we are not going to limit you this morning.
Master, I pray that you will do a new thing amongst us. And we dare to pray this prayer, Lord, because sometimes we are afraid to ask for a new thing. But this morning we pray, Lord, that we want to see you move in our life again. And I pray that you will rejuvenate us to go through the rest of the week in your spirit, in your power, in your authority. I thank you for this opportunity to come here, Lord, and to worship you in power, in unity, and in spirit, Lord God.